The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. And it's not just making your NFL games a little more interesting. It's making a lot of things a little more interesting. We, of course, are always presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use that promo code PODCAST1 to get a 50% sign-up bonus today. I cannot tell a lie. Steve Fezzik, far and away the star of this podcast, and rightfully so. He is the pro. He is the expert. He is the stud. You should follow him on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling, the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. Pretty darn cool. Highly encourage you to check out Steve on Twitter. Steve, we got a lot of NBA talk today, which I'm very excited about. We got the conference finals kicking off tomorrow night. We've got uh, already you can place bets on NBA free agency, guys like Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler. You can even get into if you want next year's NBA odds which I think we'll even maybe go ahead and do that today, Steve, which is pretty cool. Speaking of going ahead and doing it, I recommend going ahead to CBS HQ and checking it out. It really is cool. It's 24-7 sports network free highlights, analysis, instant game reactions, just sports like like it always used to be without having to make it all political or social or you know over the top people yelling at each other it's just people talking about the games that they like and they want to talk more about very very cool it's always on it's always free if you like placing bets like you do here they have plenty of advice to win there plenty of advice they'll give out picks they got fantasy advice. It's pretty awesome. There's no need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone or Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. CBS Sports app 
It's CBS Sports HQ, and it's very cool. All right, so Steve, before we even get into the betting stuff today, I got to ask you, why are you not on Jeopardy winning hundreds of thousands of dollars every night? Why is it this Holzazer, however you say his name? (laughs) Well, I have one big deficiency that he doesn't have. He knows most of the answers, Ross, and I don't. And obviously, that's the <laughs> most important um, um, precursor to success at Jeopardy. But what James has that many of his other gifted, super intelligent opponents do not have is he is an advantage player. Real quickly, I'm going to lay out why he's kicking butt, if I may. He's a master at the buzzer. He practiced it before he came on in Jeopardy. Um, you cannot buzz in until the question is fully read. He understands this, and he has timed it. So when everyone knows the answer, he typically gets to the buzzer first. Um, he goes back and forth between categories. This is a fundamental shift. It makes a lot of sense. If there's six categories, why just run the board 200, 400, 600, 800, 1,000 on American history when you can bounce around and confuse your opponents who don't know what's coming, and you do know the category gives you a small edge. He goes for the higher dollar amounts on the board. He's basically surfing for the daily doubles, knowing his lesser opponents likely can only beat him by getting to those daily doubles late in the game and doubling up to have a chance to beat him. So he looks to eliminate that variance by getting to them first. When he gets the daily doubles, he knows he's going to get them right over 90% of the time. So he aggressively wagers on them. Oftentimes, early in the game, 75% of his bankroll instead of being wussy. And so that's proper and he plays lightning fast. He knows that um, the more categories get un- unrevealed, the more questions, the more likely he builds a bigger lead. So he literally talks as quickly as possible and says stuff like, history 800 for the next category to keep the game moving. That is so interesting. So I haven't been watching it at all, Steve, but obviously I've heard about it, and I didn't... I mean, those are all different, like little mini edges i wonder are other people talking about that or are they just saying oh it's unbelievable he gets all these questions right are other people talking about all those little minor edges that he stacks together to give himself a decent edge i've heard some people talking about it most are just talking about how proficient he is at getting the answers correct and certainly he's in the top you know two percent of all the jeopardy contestants all time but there have been other contestants you know that are equally good at knowing all this innate crazy knowledge along with basic fundamental knowledge but i will say this the average jeopardy contestant is a genius but they have no idea what they're they're doing in game theory best example i can give ross um i see this all the time final jeopardy one person is zero one person has six thousand one person has ten thousand so the person with 10,000 always wagers correctly. He says, oh, if the second place guy tries to get it all to double up from six to 12,000, he'll wind up with 12,000. I have 10,000. I'm going to wager $2,001. So if I get it right, I win. Um, so the first place guy with 10,000 always wagers 2,001. So the second place guy, even with any kind of modicum of thought, even if he hadn't even thought about it before Final Jeopardy, in 30 seconds should be able to realize, oh, okay, so I'm going to lose if we both get it right. So I better go ahead and wager um, a very small amount. Um, so I, I should wager an amount such 
I used a bad example. Let me, let's, let's assume the second place person has 8,000. 8, first place person has 10,000. So the first place person wagers 6,001. So the second place person basically should say, oh, if we both get it right, I lose. So I need to wager a very small amount such that if I get it wrong and the first place guy gets it wrong, I'll win. But the second place guy always wagers it all, seemingly, or almost all of the time, which is a horrendous mistake. I don't know if that's obvious, but if they would have thought about it before being on the show, it should have become obvious. So funny, Steve. I never thought of that. I always just assumed, you know, the second person has to wager all of it, to, you know what I mean? Because they're losing, but you're exactly right. Because that's always what the first person does. So the second person should just make sure that if they're both wrong, that they're the one that wins. I love it. I And I love all of the breakdowns of Holzhauer, too, uh, with the buzzer, with moving around the board, with the daily double. My question is, do you know him, Steve? I mean, I don't know how many professional gamblers there are in Vegas, but do you know him? I do not know him. Now, it used to be all the advantaged players in Vegas would know each other because there'd be like a, there used to be a lottery at the Stardust when the first lines would come up and we would all get to know each other. But what's happened now with all these apps that are being put in, a lot of us are just wagering at home on our apps. And so me not knowing him does not mean that he's not actively involved. He says he's a professional sports better. I've asked around. People do know of him. And I got to tell you, Ross, the average um, person that claims they're a professional sports better, when I ask around, people are like, oh, I've never heard of him. And here people are like, oh, yeah, we know about him. Um, I've heard that in Vegas his reputation is that he chases steam. In other words, he's betting games that are already moving. But to be honest, um, a lot of times Vegas thinks that just because um, – the a pro sports better has options and he can wager internationally as well at reduced vigorish. So the only reason to ever make a bet is when you get the very best line available. So if you can wager it and lay minus 107 or minus 105 somewhere, there's no reason to risk minus 110. So oftentimes Vegas will only see these these pro sports betters bets once a line actually has started to move. So, um, but I had never I've never met him yet. So um, I guess here's my question, and, and I, I don't mean that for you to take offense to this, Steve, but, I mean, he seems too smart to be a sports better on, you know, chasing steam or whatever. In other words, like, you couldn't get a lot of the questions right because you're doing your power rankings, your power ratings on all the NFL teams, et cetera, et cetera. Like, how is he having this wealth of information across so many different subjects when he's trying to be a professional sports better? Does that make sense? Well, my, yeah, my, it does not because the average professional sports better is spending so much time um, updating his power ratings and his injuries and everything else that he has no idea and no time to watch a Game of Thrones episode, much less be able to um, you know, um, know what every single significant uh, literary character in Shakespeare is. However, my understanding is that he is a live wagering expert. And I have to tell you, Ross, that when you're wagering on a game live, um, pretty much the, the, the ma- vast majority of winning is not 
knowing knowledge, what I call pre-flop before the game starts, but rather really focusing on what is transpiring that was unavailable information before the game started, in particular football, where it wouldn't be unusual that you might be betting on an underdog plus 12 that was plus 28 before the game started because everything has changed as the game has transpired. Very, very interesting. Um, well, let's get into some sports betting stuff. But that I, I love the the Jeopardy. That was cool to hear all the advantage player things for James. All right, so tomorrow night, Steve, starts the NBA Conference Finals. And I got to tell you, like, I don't really get in the NBA that much until the playoffs. But it's just funny to me. Like, when Durant got hurt, it was the Warriors can't win the, the NBA championship without him. And they certainly can't beat the Bucks without him. And the Bucks were, you know, after they beat the Celtics, the Bucks were the it team. And they were going to blow out the Raptors. Bucks were the best team in basketball. After they beat them in game one, it was, wow, this series is over. They came from behind, blah, blah, blah. And then the Raptors beat them in six. So now everybody's saying, well, obviously Golden State's going to beat the Raptors. And that seems a little bit more reasonable. But I just think it's interesting because everybody, like, especially in the, these sports with seven-game series, People seem to think that they know what it is and this team's going to have this or that team's going to have that. Yet it's pretty obvious a lot of times that they really that they really don't know and they certainly didn't when it comes to the Raptors and the Bucks. Well, yeah, look no further than how the analysts reacted to the Celtics beating Milwaukee game one where I think some of the NBA TNT guys were like, well, this series is over. Boston's going to cruise. And same thing when Milwaukee got up 2-0. Now, at that point, Milwaukee was a minus 900 favorite. So you could have, on the take back, bet Toronto $100 would have gotten you 600 at that point in time. Bottom line is, Ross, I think that the Bucks were just not ready for prime time. They had not gone through any kind of playoff run before that entire team. And Toronto built the Giannis wall where they threw a bunch of bodies at Giannis and he kicked it out, um, sometimes not as, as effective as he could have, to his um, teammates, and his teammates just did not make shots. Um, and when you looked at the bottom line, final three-point shooting for the two teams, they both attempted 230 three-pointers. One team attempted one more, one, one less, but almost the same amount. Toronto made 15 more three-pointers. So think about that. That's 45 more points for Toronto than for Milwaukee shooting from three and Toronto won the series by six points. So I can make the case that it was just a matter of Toronto was able to make their threes, including Freddie Van Vliet, who went 14 for 17 in games four, five, and six and Milwaukee Bledsoe, Meritage and company just could not make their threes. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty, it really was pretty unbelievable um, and surprising. You know, I'll say this too, Steve. It's surprising to me in the NBA and at, in the conference finals when any team wins four in a row. I mean, Golden State sweeps them four in a row and then Toronto to win four in a row against the Bucks. You would just think that that would not happen, that there would be in one of those four games, just the variance of shooting and everything else. Home, field advantage, home court advantage that that would not happen. 
Yeah, and with the zigzag also that with um, when a team is off a loss and then off of a back-to-back loss, that sets them into typically a very, very good situation. And that was the case game five for Milwaukee when it was two games to two. And um, that was frankly shocking to me that Kawhi Leonard and company were able to go ahead and get that win game five in Milwaukee. And I got to tell you, one big um, takeaway from that series is going in, Giannis probably going to be the MVP, and Giannis was universally, you know, first team All NBA, and Kawhi Leonard was second team All NBA. And what they say in the um, in the movie Hoosiers after the uh, star player says he'll play if the coach comes back, and they just voted the coach to be fired, and one of the ladies yells, "I think we should vote again," because uh, clearly Kawhi Leonard ha- did indeed outplay um, Giannis in that conference final. So um, what does that mean for the NBA Finals, Steve? Is there, is there a bet that you like between Golden State and Toronto? Where are things right now, and what would you recommend? Right now, game one, Toronto is a one-point favorite. If for the series, Golden State is a uh, significant favorite. Golden State's about minus 280. Take back is about plus 240 on Toronto. And i got to tell you, Ross, I think that's actually right where it should be. It's my power rating's actually have Golden State three points better. So if I give Toronto four for home court, that indeed would make Toronto a one-point favorite. Um, As far as Golden State being able to win without Durant, well, Curry and company, um, they're 31-1. and Their last 32 games that Curry has played and Durant has not. And the last three years, with Curry and without Durant, they win 89% of the time, Golden State does. When both play... They win 78% of the time. So as ridiculous as it seems, the last three years, Golden State has been better when Durant has not played. And how is that possible when Durant is clearly a top-five player in the NBA? just turns out he's not nearly as valuable for Golden State than he'd be for any other team because when he gets the ball, it, um, it mitigates Curry's role, and Curry is so good at getting everybody else involved, and they talk about the joy of playing Golden State basketball, the ball just moves back and forth and look no further than the Golden State bench and how well that bench, who were a bunch of stiffs prior to the Portland series, and all of a sudden the bench came alive and they've been playing seven, eight guys, four-plus guys, the, um, the Loonies, the Livingstons of the world, are uh, the Jerebkos are all scoring three or more points, and uh, the entire team is better when Curry has the ball in his hands. Yeah, and I, man, I don't care what Kevin Durant says. Uh, I just, this is not good for his legacy. It's just not, Steve. I mean, the fact that the team, and I know that they play a little bit different or whatever, but it's not a good look for him that they're this good without him. I mean, can you imagine any of the teams LeBron was on and the team being close? Like, none of those teams have been close to as good without him. Oh, I mean, LeBron, when he leaves a team, I mean, look at the fall-off in Cleveland when LeBron has left. I mean, it is just remarkable where they'll go from being, you know, in the NBA Finals to winning 26 games. Um, so the idea that, that Golden State is not missing a beat without Durant is not good. And, of course, going back to Oklahoma City, you know, when they had, you know, they, they were just stacked with Westbrook and Harden 
and um, they were on and Ibaka, and they were unable to um, uh, to win a championship with that team. That you know, that's not going to help his legacy either. No, and so I got to tell you, that leads into my next question for you because I've seen it at BetOnline.ag that you can place bets on where like Jimmy Butler will end up or Tobias Harris or Kevin Durant. Butler and, and Tobias Harris, by the way, are both heavy favorites to stay with the Sixers, uh, which I think is interesting. Um, but my question there is, don't you think Durant is going to end up going elsewhere? I mean, the Knicks are still the favorites, but I guess I just feel like at this point, what's going on right now in Golden State makes him even more likely, Steve to leave yes i i think he and i do believe he does want to leave obviously he had some issues with raymond green um you know during the course of the year and um i think that sometimes um like i said if you're you're a great player and you recognize that your talents are probably going to help some other team better than the team you're currently with it just probably makes sense for him to move on um, whether it be New York or the Clippers, I think that the Clippers would just take a huge step forward. It's hard to believe that this Clipper team won 48 games last year when they got rid of Tobias Harris, who was their best player. Then Lou Williams is they're currently their best player. So um, the Clippers would all of a sudden vault into the discussion of being a title contender is amazing as that seems. So um, we'll see. But I've, you know, everything I had read had said the Knicks is the likely destination. So, but you never, you never place bets on things like this. Like I'm looking at the odds for Butler, Tobias Harris. There's, there's odds for Kyrie Irving. The Knicks are the favorite for him, by the way. Kevin Durant, Knicks, Kawhi Leonard, the Raptors are the favorite. Anthony Davis, the Lakers are the favorite. You never bet on stuff like that, right? The reason I don't bet on it is it's largely predetermined at some point where some people know where the player is going and you don't. And to quote Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, the whole world's out there throwing darts, buddy boy. I don't throw darts. We need to get the information before we bet on these outcomes. Got it. Um, and then what about what about for next year, Steve? Are there any uh, – I mean, I, I've seen that there's some early lines out for next year in terms of the NBA. Uh, you can get, you know, Nets at plus 2,500. The Warriors are plus 200. Bucks plus 600. Are there any NBA uh, t- teams for next year that you like? Yeah, you know, same thing. It's just so difficult to forecast what the composition of, of the teams are. Philadelphia is 14 to 1. Well, if they sign Butler and Harris, um, and so they have their big four back, you know, and Embiid can stay healthy, Philly at 14 to 1 looks ultra attractive to me, but I'm, I don't know if that's going to be the case. So without that knowledge, it's very difficult to go ahead and throw the switch. And frankly, too, Russ, it's unclear how strong the East is even going to be. Um, if Durant goes to New York, all of a sudden the Knicks become another force in the East, which will make it more difficult the path for all the other teams. So without all that information, it's really hard for me to go ahead and place a wager on anyone. 
Got it. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Warriors plus 200, Bucks plus 600, Celtics plus 1200, Sixers plus 1400, Rockets plus 1000. I don't know why they have the Rockets listed after the Celtics and Sixers, even though they're plus 1000. Um, Knicks plus 1400, Clippers plus 700. So it's interesting to see where they have a lot. I mean, some of these teams have no chance. It's really sad. Absolutely no chance. I want to ask you also, we always get at least one NFL question in, Steve. And I got these odds from betonline.ag. They have odds for which NFL teams will have the best and worst records next year. And it's really, you know, very similar to what we already know about season win totals, you know, those type of things. But the this, this Patriots are 6-1 to one to have the best regular season record. Rams and Saints are each 7-1. to one. Then you look at the worst record. Dolphins are 6-1 to one to have the worst record. Cardinals, Bengals, Giants, Raiders, Bucks, Redskins are next at 8-1. to one. I guess my question is, with them already having like Super Bowl odds and season win totals, What's the point of having these up? Is, is it just like something else to have or something else to be able to send someone like me in an email that's NFL odds? I mean, because it, it, it just ends up, you know, correlating to what their Super Bowl odds are. The reason to put those up is, is just that um, something else for people to bet on. And remember, when you're betting into these futures odds, the dastardly bookie can set all these odds and short pay everyone by about, Oh, 40% on each one of these payouts, such that if you bet on each and every team, you would lose 40 cents on the dollar. But because there's so many teams, these odds still look attractive to people. So it's enormously profitable, these futures pools, to put up as many as possible. Having said that, I got to tell you, Ross, Miami at six to one to have the worst record sure looks good to me. And here's the reason because Miami has, um, a situation where you could make the case that if they're playing poorly, they would absolutely love to have the number one pick in the draft and go for a quarterback and contrast that with some several other teams like Arizona who already have their quarterback and won't have that incentive to get the number one pick in the draft. And because of that, I think that the Dolphins at 6-1 to one is a wager that I actually think is a profitable one. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't see these other teams, Bengals, Giants, you know, Redskins, Raiders, Bucks being that bad. I think it is between the Dolphins and the Cardinals, and I think you make a really good point. Although we've been burned before. We thought the Jets would have the worst team that one year, and they found a way to win five games, which was stupid because then they had to give up a bunch of draft picks to move up to get Sam Darnold. But that's a whole different topic for another day. Steve, terrific work as always, man. Thank you so much. Sounds good, Ross. Have a great week to you and, of course, to all the listeners out there. Terrific work as always, Steve. I love it. Now I feel primed and ready not only for the conference finals, but next season as well. I like it. I like getting ahead of the game. That's what you always say. That's where the odds are. That's where the odds are forever in your favor. What's that? Or may the odds be in your favor. That's like Hunger Games, right? Anyway, I'm hungry for some more betonline.ag free stuff which you get when you use the promo code PODCAST1 
for that 50% welcome bonus. Pretty darn cool, man. 50% welcome bonus? You can't beat that. At betonline.ag, using the promo code PODCAST1, it's very simple. You take the info you just got from Steve Fezzik. He gave you a bunch of things to take action on. Well, take that information, put it to use over at betonline.ag using the promo code PODCAST1. It really is that simple. Betonline.ag, promo code PODCAST1. If you haven't already, check out the Fantasy Feast and Ross Tucker Football Podcast today. Both shows were awesome. We got into uh, some really intense stuff on the Fantasy Feast for those of you who play fantasy football. And Andrew Brandt was talking about Bart Starr and more on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Even gave away a little little MVP talk for those of you who like to bet on that on today's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Other than that, though, I think we're done here. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.